This is According to Callus, and I'm here to provide you part two of our candidates forum that took place on January the 27th, the Constitutional Texans in their Princeton chapter, if you will. Um, we had Keith Self, Susan Harp, Ricky Williams, and Jeremy Ivanowski. They're all contenders for the Congressional District 3 seeking to replace Van Taylor. What follows is just their Q&A, and I'll see you again at the end. Thanks, and have a good day. We have dessert. We have the U.S. Congress. Guys, this is a big deal. I know y'all know who Van Taylor is. And I know that you know about the faux pas he has committed. And I know that you know that we have four great candidates tonight. All four that are running against Van Taylor are here tonight in this room for you to get to know and you get to make a decision on who you love the best. I love them all. They're all great people. But I have to say, I did pick one that I love the most. And hopefully you will too because that's what it takes to vote. <laughs> so let's go ahead and welcome them up. Suzanne, Keith, Ricky, and Jeremy. Come on up please. I'm going to let them do the very same thing because I don't want to take any extra time that we have. We have to get out of here by 8.30, so I'm being very cautious with our time. So let's go, everybody. We'll start from left to right. Sure? Six minutes each. Okay. okay. You guys are going to keep me on time, right? He's the timer. <laughs> the timer's right here. I'm going to I've got one, too. Let me know when you're ready. Good evening, everybody, and welcome. Thank you to Miss Cindy Darlin, to Joe Cruz, and to everybody. You guys have made a big commitment to be here tonight. We greatly appreciate it. Again, my name is Suzanne Hart, running for U.S. Congressional District 3, as everybody up here is. I'm a sixth-generation Texan on my mother's side, and my dad came to this country from Athens, Greece, after enduring the Second World War and the tyranny of communism. He taught the six of us kids to love and respect this country. He also taught us to be mindful of a government that oversteps its bounds. Those lessons in communism sound eerily similar to the gross government overreach we see coming from Washington today. And like most of you, I'm a God-fearing patriot, and I don't want to be the generation that loses the republic. Over the last year, we have endured a fraudulent election, never-ending unconstitutional mandates, gross government overspending, and the total abandonment of our citizens and allies in Afghanistan. What we need is a congresswoman willing to fight for our liberties and the Constitution. A congresswoman not afraid to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Nancy Pelosi or the establishment. A Washington outsider with a proven track record of solving complex problems. Currently, I'm the vice president of strategic accounts for an investment bank specializing in mergers and acquisitions. With my background in building business, growing revenue, and negotiating contracts, I'm uniquely qualified to help us solve the problems of this district and our country. However, I am most proud of being married to Bill. We have our three kids here today. We're missing one. He's at home. We homeschooled and raised them right here in Collin County. I will bring solutions to border security, energy independence, a check on government spending, 
and a stop to those gross government mandates. With all that said, we have so many issues to cover tonight, both locally here, domestic, and of course foreign. I want to invite all of you guys to look at our website, SuzanneForCongress.com, and also Facebook and Twitter. We're going to have a lot of meet and greets so we can get more meaty into the details. But I'll jump into a couple of them tonight with you. Number one, I think we're all feeling the economy right now, and it is really disgusting. We have inflation up 7%, which we have not seen since Jimmy Carter. And like most of you guys, that was pretty painful on my family. I don't know about you. Reagan was a welcome, fresh, fresh breath of air. So we're all praying for a Trump or a DeSantis, right, to stop the bleeding. And here's another solution we, should, we also should consider. The XL Keystone Pipeline was shut down in Biden's early days, killing 16,000 jobs immediately, another 50 to 60,000 indirect jobs, 2.2 billion in wages. Energy, as you know, touches every single thing from eggs that are up 28%, beef and pork also up 29%. I know I feel that because we have two growing boys at home who eat quite a bit of food. And our gas prices, $20 a gallon, sorry, $20 a tank every time we fill up more. So it's affecting me just like it's affecting you. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of Congress people going to Washington and legislating and putting in regulations that they don't themselves have to live underneath, like our mandates. Right now, I don't know if you guys know, but Congress does not have to have the jab. They can still go and work. But at the grill, the Capitol Grill Club, where they go and they have all their meetings, the waitresses have to get it, the staff, the management. We can't have two Americas anymore. And that's what the Democrats like us to do. They want to have, I think they've, you know, ran the course of race for enough time. As you can imagine, we're having Lexit and also Brexit, those two individual groups coming on to the conservative platform because they've destroyed their families for too long. And so now they've found a new way to divide us through mandates. The next thing, which I think is really important I'd like to cover today, obviously, is our border. It is incredibly porous. And under Trump, it was secure. We were going in the right direction with the border wall. But now every state and every city is a border, is a um, border city, and a border state. Because what Biden is doing is simply taking them from the border and shipping them to the interior, putting a huge strain on all of our social services, our schools, our hospitals, and the like. So we need to build the wall. We need to also reinforce all of the security at the border and in my humblest opinion, if we can declare the cartel a terrorist organization, we can reappropriate those funds to support it even further. Again, those are just some of the, the I guess, the quick um, overview of some things I would take care of. But like most of you, you probably have read the poll that 72% of Americans think we're going in the wrong direction. So that includes both Democrat and Republican, by the way. So how are we going to fix it? Do you remember when we had the Tea Party movement and we were told that if you just send Republicans to Washington, we'll get rid of Obamacare? But we still have it, and the only thing we got rid of was the mandate. So right now, as all of us travel around to some of our 36 amazing grassroots clubs, we see conservatives coming from California, Colorado, Oregon, and the like. And they're saying we're fleeing to Texas, and it's our hope. But heck, when we got here, what's going on with the schools? What's going on with the border? Have we lost our mind? Where else are we gonna go if we don't have Texas? You know, what are they gonna go to Florida next? 
mean, we might, right? So the solution is to make sure you send a true constitutional conservative to Washington. Now, I know Sweet Cindy has pointed out that the reason why you have so many, and a key point is, why do you have so many people running against the incumbent right now who supposedly has a great record? It's because we're trying to replace the rhino. So again, Suzanne Hart for Congress, thank you for your time, and I'm so glad you guys came tonight. Hello, everybody. My name is Ricky Williams, and I'm also running for Congress to unseat, to unseat Dan Taylor, uh, a, a Republican rhino establishment, a member who uh, traveled off to Washington, D.C., and left us behind. A uh, little bit about myself. Um, I'm the oldest of uh, five kids, born and raised in, uh, in Oak Cliff uh, from a, a blue-collar family. My dad was a truck driver and uh, drove, a, drove an ice truck. This thing is here. I uh, drove an ice truck, uh, and I worked with him from the time I was in the in the second grade. Uh, in fact, Randy, uh, Henry Wade signed my hardship license uh, so I could get my hardship license when I was uh, 15, 15 years old so I could drive an ice truck down 635. Uh, worked uh, with my dad uh, from the time I was uh, from the second grade through high school. After high school, I worked in the oil fields of North Louisiana as a roughneck uh, to put myself through college. Um, I'm not a politician, I am an educator. I've, I've done everything from, uh, started off as a classroom teacher, as a football coach, a high school principal, athletic director, and school superintendent. I currently work as, a, uh, as the uh, Deputy Executive, Executive Director at Region 10 Education Service Center, which is the second largest education service center in the state of Texas. We serve over 900,000 students. Uh, we train principals, uh, teachers, um, all aspects of of the, uh, of the uh, uh, school business. So, um, I was, um, uh, I finished my coaching career at the largest high school in East Texas. I was very, very fortunate to move right from, right from the classroom into uh, campus a administration. Uh, give you a little insight into this, some of the achievements that we accomplished uh, working as a team uh, from, the, from, the, from the teachers and the uh, full ad administration. I inherited a campus that was on the state's PEG list. PEG is Public Education Grant. What that means is, is that your, your, your state accountability scores were so low that students could leave your campus and transfer anywhere that, that, that they wanted to. Well, through, through using conservative principles of hard work, personal responsibility, personal accountability, and pull yourself up by your own bootstrap, we turned that campus around within one year we went from a low, a low performing campus to the state's second highest rated campus, which at the time was called a recognized campus. We did that two years in a row. The third year, we were an exemplary campus, which is the state's highest rated campus, and we did that four years in a row. Keep in mind, all of that was not because of, of anything special, because there is no silver bullet in learning. Uh, there is no special program learning. We're always trying to find something new, something, something unique, but it's all about hard work, and we turned that campus around based on conservative principles. I then became a school superintendent, and we used the very same principles as, uh, as we did at my campus, and within one year, every campus in the district was exemplary, and the entire district was exemplary. And all of that is just based on conservative values, conservative principles. Um, so uh, why am I running for Congress? 
I'm running for Congress because we no longer have a conservative voice in Collin County. Van Taylor turned his back on us. The year was 2020, or in the year 2020, uh, when, when uh, Seattle was being burned, uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin was being burned down, um, Portland, Oregon was being burned, statues and monuments were, were being toppled, uh, Antifa and BLM uh, were destroying this country. Our congressman said nothing. Van Taylor says nothing about everything. He does not stand up for us. He does not stand for our conservative values. And not only that, uh, during that fraudulent election that put an illegitimate president in office, Van Taylor certified Joe Biden. Not only did he certify Joe Biden, he legitimized that election uh, in, in his own eyes. Now, he can't gaslight us. We know that, that election was stolen, but once again, he turned his back on us. He is not representing us. When he voted for the January 6th commission and then voted to, state, to, to take those statues and monuments down out of the Capitol, the end result is, is the very same thing that what BLM and Antifa did. They took down monuments by pulling them down, but he voted to take down those monuments. He does not represent us. He does not represent me. And that's why I'm running for Congress, to, to be your conservative voice in Washington, D.C. So, patriots, I need you to join me uh, to get Dan Taylor out of office. Thank you. My name is uh, Keith Self. I, like everyone up here, am running for the 3rd U.S. Congressional District. Um, I was in the Army for 25 years. I was your county judge, predecessor to Chris Hill for another 12. But we're running for the 3rd Congressional District. And I want to discuss, everyone up here is running for the title of U.S representative that's the title of our job our job is to represent you now I see some military folks in the audience and I will tell you the military really understands who we represent there's a hat back there from Desert Storm and Iraqi Freedom uh, on my lapel I wear a couple of things that represent what I represented for you my master parachutist wings and the, the one above that is what we call the triple canopy pin. Uh, the Special Forces Green Beret tab is on top, followed by the Ranger, followed by the Airborne, and then, this, then the Special Forces patch. I wore that on my left sleeve. On my right sleeve, I wore a combat patch from the 82nd Airborne Division. Also on my right sleeve, I wore the U.S. flag when I was overseas. We are running to be your representative. That's the job. I don't think, and I will tell you a story about a state-level official. When I said there were four of us challenging the incumbent, Van Taylor, he said, hmm, that's a clue. And it is. I'm running, I want to emphasize, the first mission obviously is to defeat the incumbent because the second mission won't happen if you don't accomplish the first. The second mission I want to emphasize is 
I am going to take a stand against the moral insanity in our nation. I've got a list that's uh, well over a dozen long. Right at the top is gender modification, chemical or physical. Men and women's sports, men and women's bathrooms. I have to tell you, we worked for years in this country to develop Title IX so that women's sports would have equal footing. We have destroyed Title IX in one year. That is more than insanity. Then Beyond those, beyond those few to the weaponization of the federal government. That is not the mission of the federal government and it is moral insanity for them to call us domestic terrorists when we stand up for our children. It's moral insanity. We can go on down to the border. Let me tell you, when you go to the border with Joe Cruz as I did in September, you'll learn a lot. Guy was a New York cop for a while. He understands what's happening down there. He's a great guy. Uh, we had some great uh, people show us the border. It's moral insanity what's happening on the southern border, folks. The human trafficking, the sex trafficking, the illegal drugs, to include extremely dangerous fentanyl manufactured in China coming across the southern border. It's moral insanity. So the things that catch our attention, most are moral insanity in our nation. How about our election integrity? Folks, if we don't get a handle on our election integrity, it doesn't matter who's up here, who's running for office. It doesn't matter who you vote for. Everyone in this room would be irrelevant if we don't get a handle on our election integrity. This is serious business. Because most people we talk to say, well, Washington is lost. We've got to concentrate on the state. Folks, I don't think Washington is lost. If we send a person, and I'll just tell you one story about representing you. The commissioner's court had eight hours of testimony when we reformed the pension plan. Eight hours. Most of the private citizens, almost to a person, were on the side of what we were doing. Do it. We need the reform. We must have the reform. And yet for eight hours, we sat there and listened to our citizens, and then we made the reform. That's the kind of person you need to send to Washington, because it is a swamp, folks. But my second mission, after defeating the incumbent, is the moral insanity in this country. We've got to put God back in the square. We've got to have revival in this country. And I will be a voice for exactly that. Thank you very much. Peace out. Okay, that's a tough act to follow by everyone. Uh, all righty, folks. Uh, thanks for allowing me to speak tonight. Uh, my name is Jeremy Avanoski, and I'm running for the Congressional 3rd District. I'm going to put this out there right now. I'm not an orator. I'm just a citizen uh, hoping to stand up for the Constitution. So my biography really quick, I was born in Dallas, I was raised in Plano. In 1983, as a kindergartner in Plano, Lee Greenwood's uh, God Bless the United States, or God Bless the USA came out, and I knew at a young age those lyrics uh, meant a lot to me and the significance of those lyrics. In 1995, I wrote my high school senior paper at Plano East Senior High on Orwell's 1984, never imagining I'd ever be living it. 
So when I filed, we all four had to go down to Austin to file, and once it was transmitted to the Texas Secretary of State, it became a public record. Once it became official, folks came out of the woodwork, including the morning news, people I haven't talked to in a long time, and they asked me what my platform was. And I told them, very simply, the platform is the Constitution. And they looked at me bewildered, puzzled, and like they were hungering for more, and I simply said, the Constitution, that's it, all of it. The articles, the statute, or the sections, the clauses, the preamble, the Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence, all of it. Folks, I'm not going to paint visions of grandeur and say I hung the moon and I can walk on water. My platform is very simple. I stick to the Constitution. The primary responsibility of any political elected official is to protect our rights. Everyone in this room knows that's not happening. In January of 2020, I told everyone I knew this was the planned takedown of the United States. So getting back to the primary responsibility of an elected official, that's in Article 6, Clause 3, which states representatives shall be bound by oath or affirmation to support the Constitution. Let's bring back the uh, voice of the citizens, a government by the people, for the people, and stop the backroom shady payoffs with globalists and career politicians. Transition here. With the Constitution in hand, we need to defend the First and Second Amendment, secure our elections with a full forensic audit. We can put an end to this tyranny securing the border, minimizing or ending child sex trafficking, and more importantly, we need to stop killing the babies. Some of us attended the uh, Laura Trump event in Allen last night, and she made reference to this. This is good versus evil, folks. Um, I'm going to give you a little personal testimony right quick. Um, I'm a 21-year flight attendant with a large airline here in North Texas. For 13 of those years, I served as a Texas peace officer, and I swore an oath to the protect, preserve, and defend that Constitution. And I applied that Constitution on every single citizen interaction, traffic stop, warrant service, call for service, prisoner transport, and even bailiffing the Justice of the Peace Court. Folks, the illegal tyranny saturating our country has a remedy. It's in my hand. We just need to protect and defend it. The forefathers paid a costly price on our behalf so long ago. Is it still working? I got a question for everybody. Are we going to stand by and allow our freedoms and rich heritage to be taken away? and yet another stolen local election. It's time to get our third district back into the Constitutional Rehab Center and get us on the right course. If elected to Congress, I will push or champion a full repeal of the 1934 National Firearms Act as it's unconstitutional. I'll fight for the preservation of rights for each individual citizen to remain sovereign, and I'll continue fighting and speaking for those who cannot defend themselves. Stop killing the children and the babies. How can God bless a nation of murderers? Today's a day of choice, folks. Choose wisely, use discernment, because what we decide today will affect generations to come long after we're gone. Make no mistake, we're in this position today because of weak and corrupt people. I lost my train of thought. Anyway, my qualification for Congress is um, the Constitution. 
President Trump has said that any elected official that believes the 2020 election wasn't stolen is either stupid or very corrupt. Quote President Trump again, this isn't just another four-year or two-year election. This is a crossroads in the civilization of our society, whether or not we take our government back. My name is Jeremy Avanovsky. I know I'm not a good public speaker, but I'm getting better as I keep doing these things. <laughs> anyway, I'm asking for your prayers, your vote, and your support. Uh, we can do this together and make America great again. Help support me today and know your vote won't be wasted on me. Thank you again for coming out and uh, making me feel at home. The best is yet to come in Trump one. So we have two easy questions, or at least I think they are, and then four questions that will hopefully bring about some distinctions. I'm going to ask for a yes or a no, and if you need, I don't know, 20 to 30 seconds to explain your answer, feel free. So when you answer, pass, and then pass back. Okay. Would you have voted to certify the election? No. No. The state legislators asked for 10 days to simply review their electors. No. No. Question number two. Would you have voted to investigate the January 6th incident? No. And I, no, and I would shut it down. <laughs> Sorry. No, I would not. No, I would not. No, I wouldn't. Especially knowing that there was info, FBI infiltrators, Ray Epps, um, corrupt Capitol Police officers that put the barricades down and let people in, and there were provocateurs in the uh, in the crowd. Okay, first question that will hopefully get some division since you're all so similar. As you may know, we're involved in several wars that were never declared. So instead of doing that, a former congressman once recommended that we use the idea of issuing a marquee and reprisal letter. Would you support using that as opposed to getting involved in another undeclared war? I believe marquees, marks of, or letters of marquee are mentioned in the Constitution. And in order to go to war, Congress shall declare war. So, like President Trump, I was against the Iraq invasion. Did I finish the question? Okay, next. You didn't say yes or no, but I think we got the gist. I'm against, uh, I'm an isolationist. Uh, we don't need to be meddling in the affairs of others. So, would you use letters of marquee and reprisal when dealing with terrorists or something that doesn't require a war or an undeclared war? Man, I hope I don't hang myself on this. I'm going to say yes. I don't think that's the answer, but I will say yes. It's not, it's not what I would prefer. I'd say yes. I would say yes. And just like Jeremy, I'm not, uh, I'm not an advocate of going into uh, someone else's country. Uh, uh, and I, I was not in favor either of going into um, Iraq uh, under, under false pretenses. I don't think we need, I think we can uh, support Ukraine. 
I don't think we need to be um, uh, sending our military into, the, uh, into that country uh, and risking our, our, our son's lives. I would say yes. I want to bring something a little bit home to you guys. My children brought it to my attention. Of course, I already knew it. Their whole life, the only thing they've known is war. And so I remember when Blake and Haley were really little and the planes hit the World Trade Center. And they were probably too little to remember that. But that generation's tired of it. They're really, really tired of it. We need to reinforce our values as Americans, reinforce America first values, so that, as Laura Trump said, if we don't start teaching them the right way, they will not fight for our country later. Right. Question number four. Would you support auditing the Federal Reserve? Yes. I'm an M&A. Did I tell you all that? Yes. As a minimum, yes. Uh, yes, audit the Federal Reserve. Audit the Federal Reserve, full repeal of the 16th Amendment, bring back a gold-backed standard to the money supply. You guys are constitutionalists. I can keep going. I think you used your time. Okay, next one. Hopefully we'll get a little different answer this time. Would you support repealing the Patriot Act? Yes. Can I have, well. 20 to 30 seconds to expand. Yes, because it was jammed down Congress's throat. They didn't even read the bill. Right. I'm trying to, yeah. Yes, it's like many bills. Uh, it, it had a good intention but it has been corrupted and used now against American citizens as opposed to why it was we were originally told that it was passed. Yeah, I have to agree with Keith. Uh, the, uh, I think when it was uh, first passed, uh, we felt like that, that was necessary to, to have our uh, different uh, agencies being more, more coordinated, uh, but they have turned the, those agencies uh, against the uh, citizens. Uh, and so, yes, I would be totally in favor of that. Yes. Sorry. Yes, I'm totally in favor of um, repealing the Patriot Act. So some of our founding fathers said, you know, a good law can be judged whether it is in, um, still good, whether you have a good leader or a bad leader. So the Patriot Act has proved to be a bad piece of legislation. It is being we are now weaponizing the DOJ against our, pay, against our parents and our patriots. So, yes, I would agree to that. All right, maybe we'll get a different answer. <laughs> okay, there was a court case where the Supreme Court determined that if there were to be a state that would like to leave the Union at some point in the future, that Congress has to go along with that. So the question is, if Texas were to pass a Texit and you were still in Congress, would you allow or vote to allow that to occur? So that, that's very tempting. And to be honest with you, you know, we thought about what would it be like if Texas stood on their own for a long time. And then I heard um, Trevor Loudon very wisely, I think, say something, and it brought it to my attention. If Texas were to go by itself, we could very easily be picked off. Here's why. 
my, my cousins will tell you in Canada we have Chinese troops. Our southern border is very porous. California and New, and New York are crazy. So where does that leave Texas? That means our supply chain would be cut down almost immediately, and we would be picked off very, very quickly. And then we also have in um, our Gulf, we have Cuba, who is Chinese troops there. So you have no, no way of getting any goods through the Gulf of Mexico. So I'm unfortunately not for it. It's hard. Good question, Stephen. Um, we were our country at one time, uh, and so uh, I, mean, I think that we could hold our own. Uh, I would be in favor of Texas being its own country. No, because uh, Texas, I, I like Texas as a negotiating tool. I think we ought to continue to push that as a concept. At the end of the day, though, we Texas leads the conservative states. If Texas leaves the conservative states, we lose. We might be successful, but the rest of the United States would not be because there would be no leader of the conservative states. Excuse me. I would have to say I need um, I need to take. There you go. Okay, so the court case. Can you hear me? Just talk loud. Can you hear me? Okay. I think the court case that readmitted Texas to the uh, Union was White versus Texas, 1868. Um, I would have to look over the particulars of that. I believe in the Texas Constitution, it allows the state to secede. So that would probably fall under a state's rights issue, and I would have to get more information and let the state's attorneys general battle it with the DOJ and the Congress. But I know it's, I went to the Texas event and I believe it's uh, allowed in the Texas Constitution. Okay, man, all right. Number seven. <clears throat> the 17th Amendment, in case you don't know, is the one that changed how senators were put in place for the individual states. Prior to the 17th Amendment, the legislature determined who the two senators were to go represent in Congress in DC, then we changed it so that it would be a popular vote, and that's been so great, but there's talk of p potentially repealing it. Would you support repealing the 17th Amendment to return the appointment of senators to the state legislatures? I would, because we end up with um, corrupt career senators that need to go. I can think of several rhinos. <coughs> Absolutely. This is, we could do without the convention of the Article 5 Convention of States if we do one simple thing. Repeal the 17th Amendment. The U.S. Senators come back under the control of the state legislature, legislatures, and we once again have a, a statewide voice, a state voice in the Congress. This is vitally important, folks. It's not a simple question. We don't need a convention of states if we simply repeal the 17th Amendment. So your question, Stephen, is, is uh, do, we, do we keep a popular vote for the senators or let the state legislatures? Or revert back to the state legislature. Uh, I, I would, I would uh, remain uh, in favor of a popular vote. I would be in favor of repealing it to give our states more control and I think that that would solve the problem of the previous question. 
Um, our founding fathers were very, very smart men. And without that checks and balance, now we do have many senators that are so difficult to get rid of. And if you have state legislators, you have now a whole other body that can put checks and balances on rhinos that stay there for 20 to 25 years. Thank you. Right. Well, fortunately, somebody else brought up another issue that might be interesting. Okay. Would you support a convention of states? Yes, no, or 10 to 15 seconds perhaps, why or why not? So in theory, it sounds good to have a convention of states. <clears throat> and as long as you're not negotiating with crazies like Nancy Pelosi, AOC, or the like, what I don't want to renegotiate or rehash is the freedom of speech, the freedom to bear arms, and all the like. What I have heard is a very good argument is you imagine a bucket where all your freedoms are inside the bucket. And if you go and you're going to have a, a, another convention over it, you're going to renegotiate all of those rights, which obviously our revolution took care of. I would be in favor of a convention uh, of states. And the reason is that our federal government uh, continues to, to exceed its power. Uh, the, the, the power comes from people through the state to our federal government. Uh, and I think we've got to uh, curtail the ever encroaching influence and power of our federal government. There are both liberals and conservatives, very conservative conservatives on both sides of this issue. Uh, this is a, an issue and I fall to the side of, I don't trust the convention of states. And I've heard all the arguments that people say it would be controlled and 30, the, the, the states would have control over what was discussed in it. If we don't follow the Constitution today, why would we follow the Constitution in the uh, Convention of States? I think that it is dangerous. But we ought to keep talking about it. Judge, Judge Self brought up a good point. Uh, he doesn't trust the con Convention of States, but it is in the Constitution. We have to stick to the Constitution, but we need to flush out the corrupt politicians at the state level. That's right. Okay, last question. It's kind of not fair because you already answered it. Oh, so it's a freebie, right? Yes. Or I get an A. Or... <laughs> Would you support the repeal of the NFA, which is the National Firearms Act? Oh, I'll be championing it if you send me to Washington, folks. I mean, does everybody clear on the NFA? The 1934 National Firearms Act. It's what banned the Thompson machine guns and the importation and the transportation and all that. So now when you get a class three weapon, you have to get a $200 tax stamp from ATF and it takes you like 10 months to get your legally owned uh, firearm. So yeah. I One of the Democrats, I think it was uh, Biden, said uh, there's no way we'll ever have a revolution in this country again because we can't we no one will ever match the military uh, this is one of the reasons we'll never match the military absolutely so the answer is yes i'll tell you what i'm, I'm always impressed with uh, with jeremy he's like a, a college prof here <laughs> yes mainly because it would make my children very happy that they could add to their arsenal okay. um, but I'm not. But yes, I would. That is the uh, conclusion of my questions. Uh, Miss Cindy Darling is going to take back over. Thank you.
please, please honor them and give them applause. They did such a fantastic job. Thank you all so very much. Thank you for your honoring them. so much and I appreciate all of you coming to listen I appreciate all of you candidates coming to enlighten us this is critical we have got to take our city back our country back we've got to take the United States back and these people these patriots that are coming forward are working really hard to get you to know them so that you can trust them so they can go and fight. We need fighters. And so please empower them. That was the uh, conclusion of our candidate forum on January the 27th of 2022. It featured Keith Self, Susan Harp, Ricky Williams, and Jeremy Ivanowski all looking to replace Congressman Van Taylor and Congressional District 3. This was brought to you by Constitutional Texans, the Northeast Collin County Chapter, headed by Mrs. Cindy Darlin. And we look forward to seeing you at the next thing. Because remember, we want informed, educated, and involved voters. We, working together, can make a difference to keep Texas, Texas. Thank you, and I will see you on the other side.